In John 14, 1 through 6, Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thank you, Krista. Good morning. If we haven't met before, I'm Rob, and I'm hoping the wind is just going to stay calm and quiet as we try to make sure that this uh, microphone works. But I want you to imagine that you are sitting in a university lecture hall or maybe even a large high school auditorium. And for some of you, that's not hard to imagine because you've already started or you're about to. But your teacher or professor says, I want you to raise your hand if you think that there is some supernatural God that, create, that exists out there and created the world. So you tentatively raise your hand and this authority figure says, now I want you to stand up if you think that this God somehow came to earth as a person known as Jesus Christ and, he, and you actually believe that he is the only way, true way to God. Wow, that is impressive. You may be seated. Now, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but I do know a few people it's happened to. Jesus never said there are many ways to God. It doesn't really matter what you believe. You can find truth and life wherever and however you want. The reality is that this is one of the most culturally accepted lies in our world today. It might be something you believe or it might be at least something that you wonder about. And in case you missed it, Jesus never said that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere in your pursuit of God because really all roads lead to God anyway. Now, I think part of why this is tricky is because it sounds almost really good. Almost. Like God is so big and so full of love and he knows people's hearts that he can tell if you're being sincere in that pursuit and trying to live that out. And so chances are you're going to find God anyway. Now, one of my, uh, well, I think creative geniuses, the creator of Star Wars, George Lucas, in a magazine interview some time ago said, something that I think represents a lot of what we believe today about world religions. He says, I remember being 10 years old and asking my mom, mom, if there's one God, then why is there so many religions? He said, I don't remember the answer she said, but I've been pondering that ever since. And I've come to believe that all religions are true. And in our pluralistic, individualistic world, where tolerance and acceptance are two of our most celebrated values, we want to agree with this. 
Besides, we don't want to talk to, I don't think you want to talk to a narrow-minded, arrogant, religious elitist, let alone be one. But I need to disagree with Mr. Lucas on this claim that all religions are true. But I can't dismiss it entirely because I think we can find some truth in all religions. And we have to be careful not to deny that truth that's found there. For example, if there are many religions that would say that, uh, that would contain some form of the golden rule, the golden rule being what Jesus said about doing unto others what you would have them do unto you, Luke 6. We can find that in Judaism in Leviticus 19 that says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We can find it with the sayings of Buddha, consider others as yourself. Or even uh, some forms of Hinduism say that the sum of duty or dharma is to not do to others what would cause pain if done to you. Or even Muhammad in the Islamic faith said, not one of you has faith until you love for your brother what you love for yourself. See, when I think when different religions speak to loving your neighbor or serving the poor or treating other people equally, then we can and should acknowledge that commonality. And when we do, it goes a long way in helping someone else who may not believe the same things we do about what it means to love and believe in Jesus. But I also think we have to acknowledge that all religions are not the same. In fact, all religions don't say that they're the same. All religions don't point to one God. I think at the heart of every religion is this uncompromising commitment to a particular way of defining who or what God is, and then accordingly, what life is about. Just consider that. That at the heart of every religion is this uncompromising commitment to a particular way of defining who or what God is and then what life is about. And so each of those religions would claim that their way is true. Just obviously this is a, a very brief summary and it's not intended to be a straw man fallacy or anything like that. But just a couple of thoughts on a few different religions. According to Islam, there is only one God. His name is Allah. And the Quran is the true word and Muhammad is his true messenger. And the balance between your good deeds and your bad deeds determine your eternal destiny. God's mercy may tip the balance, but it's arbitrary and uncertain. Uh, Mormons believe that ultimate salvation is found not only in Jesus Christ, but in Joseph Smith and the Mormon church. The Hindus would believe that God is called the absolute, which is a universal spirit, and there are actually many gods, none of which offer divine forgiveness. And everyone is part of this God, Brahman, like drops of water are a part of the ocean. And so you go through life, and if you're good, if you behave well, then you're reincarnated to a better status. If you behave poorly, you're reincarnated into a lower status. And you achieve salvation, if you will, when you're reincarnated enough times in the good ways to become and achieve oneness with the absolute. 
Now, the Christian faith says that there is one God who has shown his love through his son, Jesus Christ. And this God does offer divine forgiveness, not based on human efforts, but based on his mercy and goodness. So while I would say that many religions claim to be true or lead people to truth, that Jesus Christ was unique in the claim to be truth. Jesus didn't merely consider himself a path to God. He considered himself God himself. And this is what causes most people or many people to be so intolerant of Jesus and his followers. Not only does Jesus say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, as Krista just read, he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, it wasn't that Jesus came to exclude people, but actually to lead as many of them to relationship with this one true God. In fact, many religions exclude women, or they exclude the poor, or they exclude the disabled, or they exclude even certain races, but Jesus' message and hope and life is for everyone. For example, Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ. Meaning that Jesus didn't divide based on the, on the basis of religion, on the basis of socioeconomic status, or on the basis of gender. Jesus opened the way up for everyone. And yet, at the same time, he did exclusively claim that he was the way to the Father. So would you consider Jesus for a few moments? I'm not sure where you're at with Jesus. But let's just consider what he said. He said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. So I've come for those people. I've not come to call the righteous. I've actually come for sinners. Specifically to a woman who was caught in adultery when the religious people said, the law says she deserves death. We should stone her. Jesus says, Okay, well, whichever of you is without sin, you can throw the first stone. And when they all left, Jesus turned and looked at this objectified woman and said, go on your way and sin no more. In other words, you're forgiven and you're made new. Jesus also said to do good to those who do evil to you to forgive those who hurt you, and to help those who can't help you in return. To a thirsty woman, he said, when you drink of my water, you will never be thirsty again. Jesus isn't some religion that we have to keep trying and striving for. He is a savior that we can find everlasting life in, ultimate satisfaction. Now, Moses and Confucius were mortals. Buddha never claimed to be anything more than a man. In fact, Muhammad never claimed to be anything more than a prophet, but Jesus Christ claimed to be God. He said, the Father and I are one. He said, those who have seen me have seen the Father. Those are things that he said that we have to consider. But let us also consider just for a couple minutes what Jesus did. To those whom others despise, Jesus moved towards Jesus reached out and touched people who no one else would touch. He healed people in society that 
others had discarded. There's so many stories of Jesus walking beside the road or Jesus going outside of town and there's someone sitting on the edge of town or someone sitting outside the temple or someone sitting in the, in the most remote regions across the lake. It's all examples of being outsiders. Jesus continued to heal those people. He went to the people that religion had avoided. And when he came to them, he opened the blind's eyes. He healed the deaf ears. He caused the mute to speak. He turned water into wine, which is okay. It is okay. He multiplied bread and loaves for 5,000 men and perhaps thousands of more women and children. He walked on water, which would be pretty amazing today. And he raised the dead. Jesus Christ was 100% human and 100% God, meaning he could feel all the things that we could feel, and yet he never sinned in the midst of that. When the devil came to tempt him, he resisted every time. And when he was tested, he trusted God and passed every one. When his closest friends betrayed him and denied him and abandoned him, he still loved them. When the religious leaders threw him to the crowds, he turned the other cheek. When the worldly power sentenced him to death, he begged his heavenly father, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. This is what Jesus did. And when they nailed him to a cross, he said, it is finished. And three days later, when the women walked to the tomb, they found it empty. Because not even death could contain Jesus. The devil couldn't defeat him. The grave couldn't hold him. And he died and rose again so that all people, regardless of where you come from, can find a personal relationship with this one true God. Jesus appeared to Peter after he rose from the dead who, doubted, uh, who denied him. He appeared to Thomas who doubted him. He appeared to the disciples who abandoned him and he appeared to over 5, 000, or 500 witnesses. And every one of those people who saw Jesus after his death and resurrection had their life changed. Every story that we read, their lives were transformed. Now, in a few moments, we're going to go down to the lake and we're going to celebrate baptisms, which is an external picture of what's happened to people on the inside. And if God is just tugging at your heart right now, if you've never considered what Jesus has said and what Jesus has done, I encourage you to listen to these baptism people that are coming forward and to consider it yourself. But I also want you to consider what Jesus could do in your life. He's changed my life, and some of you know my story, but many of you don't know my friend Hillary's story. So Hillary is going to come up and talk about the power of God in her life. Good morning. This outdoor service means so much to me. Three years ago, a man named Ben happened to be riding by and decided to check it out. He was so loved and accepted by you people that he decided to come back and shortly after to invite me along with. About a year after that, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and at last year's service, I was baptized as a testimony to my salvation. God has changed my life so much, especially in this last year. 
He did it from the inside out. The more I seek him, the more I become aligned with him, and the more he's able to bless me in amazing ways. What does seeking him look like? I'm somebody who wants exact, specific instructions. I want it spelled out for me in black and white. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about what that means for me. But I do think it can and should look different for different people. So for me, it means setting aside time every morning to hang out with God, to read the Bible, to read devotions, to pray, and to try to listen for his word. It means taking physical time away from my normal surroundings to um, hang out with God, whether it's in the car or taking a walk in nature. It means specifically spending time with him when I have a big decision to make um, and having the confidence and the boldness to say to people, I need to hang out with God a little bit on this before I get back to you. It's more than attending church for me. Um, I find myself seeking out YouTube sermons during the week, listening to Joyce Meyer audio tapes, um, taking part in the wonderful Bible studies that we have at this church, um, connecting daily with like-minded people. Seeking Him has also been transforming this this summer especially, and it's starting to also mean more bold things like uh, checking with God about my entertainment and my hobbies. Lately, Philippians 4.8 pops into my mind when I try to watch a TV show that I used to really be into or jam out to certain songs, and I find myself questioning, is this pure? Is it admirable? Is it excellent or praiseworthy? I didn't used to think these things mattered, but God is opening my eyes more and more to how much attention I give entertainment and what it can do to my values, my morals, and my thought patterns. I'm kind of shaking here. Thank, thank you, Jesus, that I don't have to be perfect. Okay. Um, it also means checking with God about possible idols. The Holy Spirit is really tugging at me to examine relationships, hobbies, habits, and look to see if they are idols in my life. Am I anchoring my self-worth and my mood to these things? Am I running to these things when I should be running to God? It also means taking my questions to him and to other wise Christians. Well, I wouldn't consider myself a wise Christian, so wise Christians. I used to read something I didn't like in the Bible or hear something from a Christian that I didn't agree with, and I would just hold on to it and let it sit there. Um, but now I'm learning if I read something I don't like or hear something that rubs me the wrong way, I pray about it or I reach out to those wise Christians. It also means really digging into the Bible um, stories rather than just seeking out specific verses. A cool side effect is that it's helped me get a better understanding of some of those go-to verses I have in my life. And I also feel pretty cool when somebody's talking about like Daniel or Samson or Peter and I'm like, oh my gosh, I know what you're talking about. I actually get the context this time. Um, and it also means seeking God about what is blocking my relationship with him, recognizing sin. And if it's something that I am justifying and holding on to asking him to take my desire and to take the fun out of it. This has been a life changing thing for me just this summer. Um, I've asked him this before I even truly meant it and he shows up and he shows off. When I do these things, when I'm trusting God and stepping out in faith, he changes my life in ways that absolutely amaze me. I have too many examples to share them all, but two recent pivotal examples for me are my financial situation and my new home. About a year ago, I caught myself panicking about my finances. I'd gotten myself into a significant amount of debt and was bringing in only enough to scrape by. But I caught the worry and I decided to stop and pray about it. Anytime I'd try to give God suggestions about how he might fix my uh, situation... <laughs> I caught myself, I stopped it, and I just said, okay, you, I know that you have much better plans than I do, so just take it. It only took about two months, and he brought 
a job to me that um, I didn't even really have to work for. I just had to show up. Um, I can't even say that I would have picked this job because I wouldn't have imagined a job so perfect for me. I get to work in my pajamas, which I should qualify. I work from home. Um, <laughs> I absolutely love it. And then not only was the job amazing, but the pay, it, the increase in pay enabled me to pay off my debt and then also look at um, moving. Again, this home is a home too perfect that I wouldn't have dreamt of it. I prayed through every step of the process, trusted God, and he again decided to completely surpass my expectations. I grew up in the country, and to be back there is so much better for my spirit than I could have even imagined. God loves to minister to to me through nature, and I know he's using this little corner of heaven to build me up for whatever he has next for me. I also have a feeling he's got plans for my house that are bigger than, than me. I feel like life is now an adventure with God. He's my divine travel agent, and I'm just... I've just asked him to pick the adventures, and I'm along for the ride. My hope, trust, and identity are now in the Lord. And when that is my truth, I can only get so low. I can feel emotions, I can have hard days, and I can walk through hard things. But at the core is a knowing, a deep trust, that God's got me. I know where my forever home is, and I'm hopeful that he'll continue to work in my life and amaze me because I've seen him do it. God has filled me with so much joy and peace that I can't help but overflow and desire to help others enter his kingdom and receive his love. My daughter has accepted Jesus Christ as her savior. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. I got to bring my nieces to church for their first time and teach the oldest one how to pray. Um, my, my advice to my loved ones has also changed drastically to better reflect my beliefs and my confidence in the Lord. My goals have changed from what I can do for my daughter and I to what I can do for my whole family, my friends, my co-workers, our church, our community, and God's kingdom. Life with God is so much more fulfilling than the life I lived seeking worldly pleasure and validation. I get to experience a deep serenity and peace that surpasses my understanding. I pray to the same God that raised Jesus from the dead. I may have showed up late to the party, but I'm staying for eternity. I don't know if you've seen the bumper sticker that says, God is my co-pilot. It's another lie we believe, but I kind of like the divine travel agent, <laughs> who's also our friend and tour guide who comes with us on those adventures. So is your hope going to be in Jesus? We started this church because there is so, so much hope out there, especially where we live, and yet it's not Jesus. It might be a relationship or a house or a job or money, but it's not in Christ. And we want to just clearly, clearly show and say, Jesus is our hope. We're not going to have Jesus as a little tiny part of our life, a little tiny piece. We want him to be our life source and the center of our life. I believe that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and that no one comes to the Father except through him, but it was because nothing else in my life ultimately satisfied me. Everything looked good on the outside, but inside, it was like this cracked glass that could never be full. Now I'm a cracked glass that contains the glory of God and a life source that never runs out. 
Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Hillary, you haven't come that late to the party. There are others here who God might be tugging at your heart. I want you to know that there is nothing, nothing too big for God to forgive. You may have sold out your friends or sold your body. You may have gotten drunk or stolen or lie or the list goes on and on and on. God forgives it all. You just have to reach out and accept it. After the song, we're going to have a couple people come up and talk about how they have done that today. And we will join them in their baptism celebration. But as we sing the song, would you consider if you have decided today to trust Christ? Father God, I pray that your spirit would just go right now. We know you're present and we know you're working. We know you're always speaking. So God, use the words that I said that are your words and the ones that aren't, just fade those away. And the words that Hillary said and the ones that are from you and have the rest just fade away and speak to each soul in hearing distance, God, of who you are and how much you love. We confess that we have tried to have our lives satisfied with other things and it is not fulfilling. Some of us have tried to seek other religions thinking that a little more control or a little more knowledge or a little more black and white would help, but God, we ultimately return to you, Jesus, the one who can satisfy our soul and bring us the redemption and the eternal life that we long for. Lisa and Nathan have decided to trust Christ and display that decision through baptism. So, Lisa, I know you're terrified of touching this microphone, <laughs> so I'll hold it for you. Okay. But, Lisa, would you tell us why you want to be baptized today? I have lived a very destructive life, a very wrong life, and I want to follow Jesus become a Christian and I love this church everybody is so loved and from this point on I'm gonna really try my best to be the best Christian I can be Lisa the good news is that religion is try 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 and Jesus is finished he does the work and empowers us by his spirit. So who is Jesus to you? Love. He's just love. Um, he was crucified and he came back to save us. Everybody. That's who Jesus is to me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lisa. Well done, Lisa. Nathan? Nathan, what brings you to baptism today? Why do you want to be baptized today? Um, the main reason I want to be baptized is because I've been probably dipping my toes in it for a few years now, and just with a lot of family struggles, I just might, I'd always see it, and all the churches always talk about it, and it was just, 
I just my heart told me that it wasn't the right time and I've always wanted to do it in this year just things my life has just been very easy before there's a lot of up and down with family struggles and strife and now God has just given me a place of comfort and a wonderful church and wonderful people in my life and it's just been very easy going and I know that I probably shouldn't procrastinate I should just probably get it done it's been on my heart and I know it's the right decision there are many ways to celebrate baptism, but how we're celebrating today is being immersed in this lake and going all in and coming out and living that life in Christ. And so that's a great picture that you just displayed of dipping my toes versus diving all in. So who is Jesus to you, Nathan? For me, Jesus is just definitely my rock and salvation. Without him, I have no idea where I could be. I honestly, if I didn't have him, I could be out on the streets. I could be dead, suffering. I don't really know where I would be, but he's, I don't have a great conversion story. It's just my parents have been Christians my whole life and I followed them. And even though people say, don't believe what your parents, don't just believe what your parents believe. I know it definitely in my heart that he has saved me and he's, I don't know on earth where I would be without him. It's just a wonderful thing see him work throughout my life and just continue to help me in little ways and in big ways and just show that he's always by my side. Awesome. Awesome. Anything else well you want to share? Well done. I just want to just say how much I love this church and how I just love everybody inside it. And even though I live quite a ways away and I make the trip all the way down here and I don't have really, I don't really just come with someone, just come by myself and I just... I love just kind of the connectivity in it, knowing that um, that people that if you're gone, people will miss you and they'll wonder where you are. And it's just unlike a big church where you can go in for a few months and leave, and people may not know the difference. But I like this church that I can see familiar faces and know people's names, and just a lot of connectivity. Awesome. Well, the reality of baptism is that you're not just doing this as an individual; you are joining in Jesus' church, his kingdom, his worldwide church, and restoration. So uh, we are going to walk down to the lake. We're going to make sure that none of our electronics that we might have on us are in, in our possession. And you're all welcome to join us down by the water. We won't go in the swimming area. We'll go near, near it, though, on the other side of the orange buoys. And after we come out of the water, uh, We'll have a little prayer for lunch, and then you're invited to stay. And if you're like, oh, I didn't bring anything, there's plenty. So we would love for you to stay. So let's head down to the water. And if God is tugging at your heart to say, I want to be baptized today too, uh, just meet us down at the water, and you can join us.